Thanks for checking out this Church in the City podcast. In our 10-part series entitled, Because Jesus is Lord, we're exploring the practical ways in which the Lordship of Jesus impacts our everyday lives. We hope you enjoy, and you can check out more at churchinthecity.us. Good morning. So April showers brings May showers in Chicago. Um, Our son, Ryan, uh, our three-year-old, when it gets cold, uh, he sneaks off under the table and lies on the vent. So this morning he was like, hey, who wants to feel my warm back? It's too funny. But tomorrow's June 1st, so we've made it. It's the good news. We are in in a series entitled, Because Jesus is Lord. And this is part six of ten. If you are joining us for the first time this morning, I want to extend a warm welcome to you again. You haven't missed anything? I'm just kidding. We are having a good time camping around the great truth of the Lordship of Christ. And because Jesus is Lord, we are who we are. And because Jesus is Lord, we do what we do. And He is taking us on from one degree of glory to the next with ever-increasing glory in Him. And Steve kicked us off uh, when he started the series speaking about the kingdom, that we have a king, and his name is Jesus. And because of that, we live in and partake of the kingdom. And then Hugh spoke about love, that God is love, and Jesus is love personified. And we are in love with Him and growing in our love for each other because of His love. And then Christians spoke about faith and trust, that because of the Lordship of Christ, uh, as leaders, He enables us to create environments uh, facilitating high trust in our relationships, in our families, and in our, in our workplaces. And then the last two weeks, Steve uh, spoke about grace and accountability. So if you want to pick up any of the sessions, please visit our website But I do want to urge you, if you missed last week's message by Steve on accountability, I think it's a key word in the series and for us as a church. So try and go back to that if you can. My piece in the series is obedience. Because Jesus is Lord, we obey. And just hearing the word obedience, our default setting is self-analysis. What am I doing? Am I doing something right now in my life that I need to stop doing? Or are there things that I'm not doing that I need to do? How am I doing? Well, New Covenant thinking is less about self, and it's more about Jesus. It's less self-analysis, and it's more Christ consciousness. Jesus introduced the New Covenant, and in the New Covenant, I'm a new creation. Colossians 3 says that I died And my life is now hidden with Christ in God. And Hebrews speaks about Jesus being the author and perfecter of our faith. That means that he wrote the book. He was there in the beginning. And he's there at the end. And it's more about his story. And it's less about my story. But Jesus has invited me in to be a part of his story. And he is the perfecter of my faith. So obedience starts with Jesus. And I love what's happened uh, these last six weeks in our worship. It's no coincidence that in a series on the Lordship of Christ, that God would release His grace for us to see Jesus 
highly exalted and lifted up. And I must commend the worship teams for leading us in, but it's been all of us pressing in, bringing a sacrifice of praise, and with that, receiving a right revelation of who he is. And it's been easy for the guys coming to preach because uh, a platform has been set up uh, with the Lordship of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's his birth. It's his life. It's his death. And it's his victory on the cross that has brought us back into right standing and right relationship with the Father and a life of obedience. So what I have for us this morning is nothing new. Uh, Dave Coates has a t-shirt that says, tell me the story again, bro. And I, I wanted him to wear it, but he's uh, down in Groundbreakers. So I'm going to tell us um, some biblical stories that we've heard many times before, but I'm trusting that the word of truth and the spirit of truth, the double-edged sword, would come to cut us to the hearts and to bring fresh revelation and with that transformation and change lives. And if there's one thing that I hope comes through this morning above all else, it's simply this, that our obedience is rooted in his lordship. Our obedience is rooted in his lordship, and his lordship is key to our obedience. Here's the scripture. It's Colossians 2 verse 6. It says, Just as you received Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith that you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Before we look at what it means to live obedient lives, living daily for the king, I want us to consider his lordship afresh. We have to know him. We have to know who he is and what he has done before we can ever know who we are and what he has called us to do. In Matthew 16, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he asks them the question, who do people say the son of man is? And they respond, some say John the Baptist, some say Jeremiah, some say Elisha. And Jesus says, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Peter encountered the lordship of Jesus. And Jesus commends him for it, and he honors him by changing his name to Rock, meaning revelation of Christ as King. And again, Jesus knew that unless the disciples recognized him, unless they knew his lordship, they would never be able to obey him, to follow him well, and to persevere through the persecution that he knew would come against the early church. And he invites them into a divine partnership of participation in the kingdom and the privilege of releasing the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven while he builds his church. So what about you? Who do you say that he is? Who is our Lord and what has he done? 
Our answer to this question is everything. It has the power to break the bondage of sin, of addictions, and idols in our lives. No longer am I mastered by anything. I'm not mastered by pornography or money or food or the comforts of an apathetic life. But I have one master, and his name is Jesus, and he has set me free to worship him with everything that I have. Jesus is the answer to every question in the heart of man. And we can see Jesus in every book of the Bible. Many prophets over many generations prophesied towards his coming. And all of Scripture, the storybook of the Bible, weaves together a tapestry that cries out for the Savior, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Rescuer, and the Healer for the brokenness of mankind. So Jesus was born in human form, not born of the corrupted bloodline of fallen man, but conceived by the Holy Spirit. And Philippians 2 verse 6, speaking of Jesus says, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus walked totally selfless on the earth. He walked totally surrendered to the will of God. He walked in perfect obedience to the Father. And in Matthew 3.13, we read about Jesus at 30 years old, on his way down to the River Jordan. And at 30 years old, under Jewish culture, the eldest son would receive everything his father had. And so it was time. But when John the Baptist saw him, he recognized him as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so John wanted to baptize Jesus, but Jesus was insistent. He needed John's baptism in order to fulfill all righteousness, in order to fulfill the law perfectly, in order to become the only one without spot or blemish, the only one worthy, and the only one able to take away the sin of the world, past, present, and future. And the Bible says that as Jesus came up out of the water, the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove, and the words of the Father came over him. This is my Son, whom I love, and with whom I'm well pleased. This is awesome. Jesus hadn't done one thing. He hadn't started his public ministry. He hadn't healed one person. And yet the words of the Father, public affirmation come over him, a public display of affection and approval. This is so significant for us. John was a witness to this and many others. It was only with the Father's full approval and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that Jesus sets out to do the will of his Father. And it's the same for us. The Spirit of God descended upon Jesus like a dove. And you can just imagine the shriek that came from the enemy camp as Satan realized what he was up against. And Jesus went on to 40 days of fasting in the desert. And Satan tried to overcome him there, but to no avail. And as the time of his crucifixion grew near, Jesus walked in obedience with his Father in heaven and with pro progressive revelation. He wasn't a small boy dreading the cross. He didn't have the whole picture right at the beginning. 
but he was faithful to seek his dad and to get courage for the next step. And in Luke twenty-two forty-two, he cries out to the father and says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And the battleground of his lordship was displayed on the cross as a public spectacle. It was there that he took the full punishment for our sin upon himself. The punishment that was due us, he took for us. He received what we deserved so that we could walk freely into that which we don't deserve. And on the third day, he conquered the power of death and sin and Satan, and he rose from the dead in the fullness of life. And there are parallels to the cross. He died so that you live. He was bound so that we are set free. The Father had to look away from the Son so that he can behold us forever. And this one is crazy. Why was Jesus beaten so badly? Isaiah 52 says that he was marred beyond any man. The pictures and the portraits that we see of Jesus on the cross are not accurate. If you were his friend at the time, you would not have recognized him. His face was beaten to a mush. Well, when sin got done with us, we looked nothing like God created us to be. And so Jesus had to become that in order to restore us back to our original design, in order to bring us back to the image of God, in order to present us to God beautiful once again. We didn't just pray a prayer to get forgiven, to get to heaven. Our nature is being changed. Our hearts are being changed. Our lives are being transformed because we are following one so lovely. And he wants us back in the garden with him again. He wants us to be fruitful, to be intimate with him, to be obedient children of the light so that the light can shine through us and the glory of God can cover the earth. Our obedience is rooted in his lordship. And we know the revelation of Christ's lordship was tested in Peter's life and it will be tested in ours. Peter went from receiving great revelation of who Christ was to resisting him when he predicted his death to denying him three times. And we know the beautiful accounts of the risen Lord appearing to the disciples on the shore and reinstating Peter. And we don't have time to read it, but it's John 21. And Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? And then he says, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep and follow me. And when Steve kicked off the series six weeks ago, he gave us that uh, quote by Eugene Peterson, which says, we need to learn long obedience in the same direction. Sounds a little tedious, doesn't it? It's kind of like long obedience in the same direction. It's kind of like running a marathon, which is fine if you like running marathons, but most of us don't. (laughs) To be honest, when I heard that, I was like, Man, I much prefer the idea of walking on water, spontaneous faith, short-term obedience, maximum impact, maximum results. But if you think about Peter in Matthew 14, when Jesus appeared to him or to the disciples out of the darkness, walking on the water as the waves and the wind were rising, Peter had already set his heart on long obedience towards Jesus. And it says, when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the water, they were terrified. And Jesus said, take courage, it is I. 
And Peter was the first to respond, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. It wasn't blind faith, but it was relational faith, confidence and faith in the Jesus that he knew and loved. And Peter was ready to obey. He had already set his course towards his Lord, long obedience in the direction of Christ. And if you think about this further, when we choose long obedience in the same direction, we make ourselves ready for the supernatural opportunities that will come our way. Or should I say opportunities for the supernatural? And we'll be the first to respond. Lord, if this is you, tell me to go. Because we know him and because we love him and because we're living in obedience to his commands. Funny that the Bible doesn't actually say it's a marathon. How many of you have heard this before? Well, you know, brother, if it's, it's a marathon. It ain't a sprint. It's my best attempt. <laughs> well, <clears throat> it doesn't say it's a sprint either. But Proverbs 4.11 says, I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. And Paul said things like, run the race marked out for you. He said, run with perseverance. He said he wanted to be sure he wasn't running his, his race in vain. And we need to run our race at God's pace. Whether that means walking on water or running over hot coals at times, we need to do what he has called us to do. Long obedience in the same direction, rooted and built up in him. We have to know him so our identity is secure. And it's with a strong assurance of who he is that we can know who we are in him and we can do all that he's called us to do. And what we do doesn't define us. It's who he is that defines us. And I thought of a firefighter. When someone decides that they want to be a firefighter, they see themselves fighting fires. And they're prepared to put their, their life at risk to save the life of another in desperate need. But the reality is the actual firefighting is only a fraction of the total time that one spends and responsibility that one spends as a firefighter. And putting out a fire doesn't make you a firefighter, per se. When you're awarded the title of a firefighter, you are one. And I'm, I was hoping that Anthony Marina would be here, but I don't see him. Our very own firefighter. But Anthony last week was awarded the title, and when he knows who he is, then he's diligent and vigilant in service. And he shows up for his shifts on time, his uniform is pressed, his shoes are polished, the fire truck is clean, and he's done his push-ups. And so when the siren goes off and the fire chief gives us the command, Anthony's ready to be the best, his best in the time of need. So I don't wake up in the morning trying to be a Christian. I wake up a son. I am a son, and I'm learning to be a son. The lordship of Christ is key to obedience, and our obedience is rooted in his lordship. And as Christians, like Steve said last week, we're little Christ-like ones. We don't have to earn the title. It's who we are. And when the siren goes off, we're ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in him. 
God has created us in such a way that only he can satisfy us. And the life of obedience is rooted in him. It's deeply satisfying. It's exciting. It's rich and rewarding. And nothing the world can, can give us can compare. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Obedience comes easily when we're living in right revelation of his lordship. We receive his love and we love him back. And he enables us by the power of his Holy Spirit, which is inside of us. And it's easy to obey a benevolent king who is perfect, who is alive and with us every minute of the day. When you and I came into the kingdom, we were given faculties to know him, to hear the voice of the good shepherd and to reject the enemy's voice. And we get to walk with him by faith. The relationship I have with Jesus, I and him and he and me is everything. And the devil knows it. And even he cannot separate me from the love of my father nor break the relationship. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, God is your Father, and the devil can do nothing to change your position as a son or a daughter. But he will constantly try to disrupt and distort and to usurp that position in the hearts and minds of men. He says things like, if you were really a son, then you wouldn't do that or you would be doing this, or God doesn't really love you. If he did, why are you still struggling with this? You've been struggling financially for so long, and you've been walking in obedience. So why are you still living in want? It's the voice of the enemy. It's condemnation. It's deception. It's all lies. And it's not about us anyway. It's all about him. It's his lordship in our lives, not our efforts, not our performance, not our giftedness as a church or individually, but it's all about Him all the time, and we get to call Him Lord. My wife has beautiful, thick, dark hair. It's one of the many attributes that attracted me to her in the first place. And this month, we've actually known each other for 10 years. Uh, yeah, it's memorial time. Uh, we actually met the same weekend that Hugh and Vanessa got married. So I was glad I didn't get invited to their wedding. If I was there, I wouldn't have met Courtney. Bless you guys. Uh, but back to her hair. So when I'm feeling especially... Loving and generous, I'll offer to blow dry her hair, which is like, what is that? But I do a lot around the house as well, and her hair is really thick, so it's a big job. So I grab the hair dryer, and I've got the brush in hand, and I'm ready to take it on, and I've got the technique right, it's grip and rip, and I get at it. But oftentimes in my enthusiasm, I tug too hard and the hairdryer comes unplugged and I'm just standing with this little device 
which is highly effective when it's plugged in, but when it's unplugged, it's useless. And it's the same with us and Jesus. We know. We know the, the, the vine and the branches so well that He is the vine and we are the branches. And apart from Him, we can do nothing. But we need to stay plugged into the source. But it's amazing when we go through a tough time and into a dry patch, how quick we are to blame God and to say that we're not feeling it. We don't feel you. Where are you? But it's not how we feel. It's not feeling, it's faith. Our small faith plugged in to his great faithfulness releases the power of heaven into our lives, into our situations and circumstances. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But walking obediently by faith pleases the Father. If we unplug and then get upset with God, it's like blaming the power source when the dryer stops. It's not the power source that's changed. It's us. We unplugged. We moved away. God doesn't trip off. He's always on. He's always available. In fact, he says if we draw near to him, what does he do? He draws near to us. Jesus is Lord. And he's not just the Lord, but he's my Lord. He is my Savior and my Lord. It's personal. This personal connection to him is key to obedience. There's a difference between saying, God loves me, and I am loved by my Father. Hugh touched on this when he spoke about love. Paul said, this is my gospel, and he made it his because it was. It was personal to him. Paul encountered the risen Christ. Acts 9 tells the story of how Jesus revealed himself to Saul, and it was so powerful that Saul fell to the ground and said, Who are you, Lord? I think Bible AD did a poor job of illustrating this interaction. I'm loving the show, but it made it seem like Paul argued with Jesus for a moment. And that's not how it went down. My kids might backchat me, but Saul did not backchat Jesus. I'm actually working on that Saul Jesus, Jesus Saul method to obedience with my kids. But I, I don't think I've got the shock factor right yet. <laughs> and God spoke to another man, Ananias. And Ananias was sent to pray for Saul. And Ananias placed his hands on Saul, who was still blind after encountering the risen king. And Ananias said, The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it goes on to say that immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again, and he got up and got baptized. I love the clear connection here between revelation and obedience, seeing the risen Christ and then obeying, seeing and then obeying. Immediately, Saul was baptized in water, an outward demonstration of an inward transformation. And in the life of a Christian, this is one of the first public displays of obedience. Paul encountered Jesus and then made a 180-degree turn. He went from passionate in the persecuting to passionate 
in preaching the name of his Lord. From disobedience, a slave to sin, to obedience, a slave to righteousness. And if you're like me, you probably weren't breathing out murderous threats towards Christians when you got saved. And Jesus probably didn't appear to you in a flash of light and an audible voice. But when I encountered Christ and gave my heart to him, the day that he became my Lord and my Savior, it was real. And at 16 years old, at a Methodist boarding school in South Africa, I responded to the gospel and stood up while my friend to the right remained seated. And it was supernatural. And there were things at the time that felt the same. But something like scales fell from my eyes. And I began to see the world through different eyes, through new eyes, and with a new heart. And the process of sanctification started at the foot of the cross when I died to myself. And it's an ongoing process. It's a daily dying to oneself. But I praise God for our citizenship, that we are no longer citizens of this world. But Ephesians 1 is true for us all where it says God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Jesus has done it all. He came to earth as a man to establish his lordship here, to get us back to the image of God, to bring us back into right standing with God and to give us the keys, the privilege of participation, the kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. This is the good news of the gospel. And in closing, I just want to give you three, uh, just some practical things that have helped me along the way. And in the interest of full disclosure, I am not the example of obedience. Jesus is. But when I arrived here this month, it's 10 years that I returned to Chicago. And it's a long story, but when I got here and walked into this church, I was broke, I was single. I was starting a new job uh, selling commercial real estate. And you know, real estate uh, 101 is location. Know where you are. I was clueless about Chicago geography. If you said to me, where's the Eisenhower? I might have said, I think he's a dead president. I didn't know the expressway system. So, but I set out from this place, being rooted in this church by faith and from a community, And somehow I was able to convince a beautiful 23-year-old to come alongside me. That took faith and grace upon me. So my first point is start today and start here. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That's Hebrews 3 verse 7. And for me, long obedience in the same direction is one day at a time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And you might be sitting there and you're like, there's no way. My life is such a mess. I have so many issues. You don't know where to start. Well, that's not what Jesus sees. The Father sees the finished work of the Son. And He's calling you and He's saying, come, let's go. Today, walk with me. And I was given a word when I joined this church, which 
I feel is applicable for anyone who decides to plant themselves here. And it's Jeremiah 17, 8. It says, you'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Moving along, I've got a couple of minutes left. Number two, Jesus is all we need. He is enough. We've touched on this already. But remember the Israelites living in the desert. They knew God's works. They saw what he did, but they didn't know his will. They missed it. And God gave them the bread of heaven, and he gave them water from the rock, a supernatural provision. And it was a foreshadow of Christ because Jesus is the bread of heaven and he is the living water which wells up to eternal life. And yet sometimes he is not enough for us and we like the Israelites going around in circles. Jesus is all we need. And lastly, number three, deny yourself. I started this morning speaking about self-analysis. Jesus did not expose my sin, but he removed my sin. And he gave me a new identity in him. Purity opens up the heavens. Living obediently maintains intimate fellowship with him. It's not sin management. It's living out my new identity, which is one of victory and purity. It's one of righteousness. I don't lose my salvation when I sin, but the intimacy is disrupted. And I want to stay in communion with him and with the Holy Spirit. Sin is not our identity. What we inherited through the fall, we give back through our born-again experience. Man chose self, self-conscious, self-centered, self-preserving, self-sufficient, self-righteous. Jesus said, unless you deny yourself. Why is it a hard thing to give back what God never gave us? Why do we cleave and hold on to that which was never ours in the first place? Why not give it back? Because it was given to us through a lie. Way back in the garden when we ate of the tree, of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Jesus is calling us to give up what we were never created to be so that we can take on who he is. Right now, God wants to take hold of you. Right now. And before I hand over to Steve, I just... I want to invite Vanessa up just to get on the keys. We're going to take communion this morning, which I think is a very appropriate response. But the Lordship of Jesus, the Lord of love, compels us to respond. And so I just want to ask that we could, if we could just uh, close our eyes right where you're standing. I was just feeling like we need to just wait on the Lord for just a few moments. And I just want to pray. I just want to pray that the Holy Spirit would come. I love that word of Jesus saying, I'm sending another advocate. One that will come, the counselor, the prince of peace to lead you and to show you the way. So, Father, I just thank you this morning that we belong to you, that we are sons and daughters. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you. I thank you that we are not orphans, 
but we can walk this out with you. And this morning, that you would minister, that you would speak, Lord God. I just pray, bring correction where correction is needed. Thank you that you are good, that we can trust you, that you're a good dad. And we just wait on you. We just thank you for your love. And if you are here this morning and you've just heard about this Lord, this good King called Jesus, you don't have to do anything to earn His approval. You don't have to clean up your life. But if you don't know Him, He is calling you to come. And He is saying, come to me, my son. But we do need to respond. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation and that we need to confess with our lips and believe in our hearts and then we are saved and if you are out there and you're feeling just a tug on your heart uh, you don't know all the answers that's okay but I just want to give you an, an opportunity to respond if that is you while every eye is closed if you would just raise your hand Thank you, Lord. We love you. We worship you. Thank you that you are taking us on, that we have not arrived, but I thank you that we're part of the action, that we are in, we are approved, we are anointed, we are commissioned, we are loved, we are adored, we are sent. I thank you for your words of affirmation over your people, your words of approval right now, and I just pray, build up this body. Bless this body for your glory, great King. Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. You can always check out more podcasts at churchinthecity.us.